Good evening again. It's good to see everybody this evening. It really is. Great to be able to get out. And uh, we do still have some, I believe, who are traveling. Please keep them in your prayers and uh, that they can uh, be back with us soon and that they'll be safe and blessed from and through their trip. We're going to finish this particular study this evening that we've been looking at. This is actually the sixth lesson in this particular series that I've entitled Careless Attitudes. I need to get my wand here. And what we've been looking at is uh, careless attitudes from a, from a spiritual perspective. I know that every one of us, probably without exception, can say, yeah, I know, I know what it's like to make a, be careless in, you know, in making a decision. Or maybe having a careless attitude about deciding upon something or doing something or taking part in something and then we end up suffering from it. Um, a lot of times we think we may enter into, into a relationship with somebody, a friendship, and maybe later on down the road, maybe just within a couple of months or so, we realize I was too hasty you know, in entering that relationship. I really felt good about it. But I didn't uh, really, was not really using the right discretion and I've realized that that's not a good relationship for me to be in. And decisions, things we get involved in. I remember one time many, many years ago before I began preaching, I found myself in a setting that in my mind I, I thought, well, this is okay. In fact, more than one setting. And then later on I got to thinking I should not have been there. I should not have, even though I did not take part in what was going on, I should not have been in that particular setting. But I kind of acted on the spur of the moment, at least in one of those occasions, and, and that was a careless attitude that I had. So careless attitudes, but we're looking at it from a spiritual perspective, a spiritual perspective. So just by quick way of review, you know, we need to be careful to not become, and that's careful, to not become careless in our faithfulness to God. And if we're careless in attitudes a lot of times, we will get ourselves involved in situations and actions and even thought processes perhaps that could end up you know, causing us problems in our spiritual lives, in our faithfulness. Again, the, the wise man wrote in Proverbs 19 and verse 6, he who keeps the commandment, he who keeps the commandment, that is lives by it, obeys it, keeps his soul. And so obedience is key to our being right with God and ultimately being saved for all of eternity. And then he goes on and says, but he who is careless of his ways will die. And then we noted also, and we could look at a number of different passages of scripture along this line, but I just brought out about four of them that we can relate to quickly that get the message across. Jesus said at the end of Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So not just here and there, not a smattering of faithfulness, you know, now and again, but until death, always, consistently. And he who endures to the end shall be saved. And then I think one that is really, really instructive for us is Luke chapter 21 and verse 19, where Jesus said, by your patience, possess your souls. The idea there is persevering in our faithfulness patiently persevering, staying faithful no matter what, no matter what the challenges, no matter what the difficulties that might confront us might be. So 
Careless attitudes can get us off track and ultimately lead to unfaithfulness in our Christian life, kind of making a decision on the spur of the moment that really we ought to, from a spiritual perspective, say, wait, whoa, 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 I, I need to think about this. But we may not take the time to think. It may be a careless attitude. Oh, yeah, let's do this. Okay, well, no, then we find out later, I really should not have been involved in that. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. And again, I've emphasized this particular verse of Scripture in a lot of my teaching over the last number of years, and it says so much. The Apostle Paul said, see then that you walk circumspectly. The idea there again is carefully, thoughtfully, thinking ahead, in fact, several steps ahead, should I be doing this? What is this going to be leading to? Uh, what's going to be the consequences of this, of this action that I take on down the road? So see that you walk circumspectly. One time I was uh, looking at a house many, many years ago in another state about buying it, and I was looking at that, and, and it was a very attractive piece of property, and uh, we made an offer. And I thought it was a reasonable first offer. And then the owner, or I guess it was a company actually owned that, kind of a buyback company, they, they just said no. I expected them to make a counteroffer, and they said no. I just walked away from it. I found out later it sold for just about what I would have been willing to pay if they'd have made a counter offer, right about in the middle of where they were asking and what I was offering. Well, I, I did not feel any remorse over losing that. And then later on down the road, I came to realize it was a good thing we did not buy that house. Now, that's just a physical example, you know, something through our lives. When we think about everything and everything we should be analyzing through a spiritual lens. I'm a Christian. That ought to be my driving and governing force in my life all the time. So see then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, super carefully, not as, uh, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we talked about being not being careless in our prayer lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 17 and 18. We also talked about not being careless in our personal Bible study time. We need to be in God's word because that is the basis of our developing and then growing in our faith. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. We talked about not being careless about being actively involved in good works. I think a whole lot of members of the Lord's church think it's not that big a deal. I don't really need to be involved in that. I don't need to be, you know, as long as I'm at services at least once a week, you know, I, that, that ought to be just fine. You know, and so we, we talked about how we are God's workmanship created for good works and that we should walk in them. It, we also talked about not carelessly stunting our spiritual growth and our strength in faith by regularly not being with the church as we gather together to worship God and study his word. There's strength in our being together. Just think about everybody here this evening. We are feeding off of one another's faithfulness and that is strengthening our own faithfulness. So we talked about that in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And we also looked at not falling into a careless mindset 
of being obsessively focused on, on money and material things, things that money can buy, just kind of centering our life and directing our life on gaining more and more things or accumulating more and more money. So we talked about that as well, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, where we ought to be laying up our treasures. That's in heaven, not on earth, because this earth is passing away, but we're looking forward to eternity with God in heaven. Now, we all want to be faithful. We all want to be dedicated Christians, every single one of us. If I went around the room and, and, and just asked you privately even, do you want to be a faithful Christian? Every single one of us would say, yes, I do. We probably would not even hesitate in, 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 in most of the cases to answer. It would be an automatic. I want to be a faithful, I want to be a dedicated Christian. But usually we don't mean to get careless in our faithfulness, in our Christian lives, but sometimes we are. We don't even think about it. We don't realize that we're developing kind of a careless mindset or attitude, and that's what we've been trying to teach against, guarding against that development of careless attitudes, careless mindset, careless thinking in, in how we move through life. So as we conclude this particular study, I want us to think about what can we do to guard against becoming careless in our spiritual life? What can we do? And ultimately, it comes down to we need to regularly, regularly, and this can be painful, but we need to regularly examine ourselves, look into the mirror of our lives as, and, and from a spiritual perspective and ask ourselves, okay, what am I seeing? What kind of Christian am I, is, is peering back at me from that mirror? Now, the spiritual mirror of our life is, is, is basically God's word, but we can stop and we can think, okay, how am I as a Christian? Am I studying? Am I praying? Am I being with the church as I should? Am I involved actively in the church, works and activities and so on? We need to look into that spiritual mirror of our lives and ask ourselves, okay, how am I doing? Where am I at? What am I? What is my example? What do people see in me? Because we need to stop and, and, and realize whether or not we may have slipped into careless attitudes pertaining to our faith and faithfulness. And this is not just a one-time uh, deal. We need to do this on a regular basis. Now, as I've said, and I've said this in teaching on self-examination for a great many years, self-examination can be painful because we're facing the truth of our lives. And if we're really exercising deep self-examination, we're going to recognize some areas in which we're not measuring up if we're being honest with ourselves. And so we need to really stop and think, okay, we need to determine, have I slipped? Am I slipping? Am I slipping from time to time into careless attitudes that pertain to my faith and my faithfulness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, as Paul is concluding this second recorded letter to the Corinthian congregation, and let me tell you, that congregation had some real problems, real problems. He, I, I, I can't even tell you offhand how many, I don't know that I've ever counted all of them that he covers in the 1 Corinthians letter, and then he covers some more in the 2 Corinthians letter. 
But he comes to the end here. Chapter 13 is the end of, of that second letter that's recorded for us in Scripture. And he says, examine yourselves, in verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Now, he's writing this to Christians. Now, you say, well, whoa, Paul, don't you, you're writing this to Christians, members of the Lord's church. What do you mean, examine yourselves to whether you're in the faith? That's exactly what he says. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Look into that spiritual mirror of your lives and ask yourself, do some careful self-reflective self-examination. Where are you? How are you doing? He goes on then and he, he repeats it, just uses different language. He says, test yourselves, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Wow. Now he throws that out there, that potential for being disqualified spiritually. And we don't even want to think what that would ultimately lead us to from an eternal perspective. Anybody who's worked a job... You don't like it when the when the, the supervisor or the boss of one one you know identity or another says uh, I want I want you to come into to my office tomorrow uh, we want to do a a review of your your work you may not sleep that night right you'd rather him just say come on in now <laughs> uh, because at that kind of, of of reflecting upon your job you know, your, 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 your work ethic and so on, your productiveness or lack thereof uh, can be very painful. Well, that's from a secular perspective, but we're talking, we need to do that ourselves personally from a spiritual perspective. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and here Paul is, 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 is in this, this context talking about partaking of the Lord's Supper and what ought to be our attitude and mindset as we go about partaking of the Lord's Supper, as we prepare to partake of it. He says in verses 27 and 28, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so there's that self-examination again. He's saying, stop and think. Okay, what's your attitude as you're partaking of the Lord's Supper? As you break that bread, as you drink that cup, are you stopping and thinking about what this means, why I'm doing this? Or are you thinking maybe about what you're going to do this afternoon? Or something else got your mindset? Are, 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 as you're thinking off perspective, Stop and think. And again, how are you living your life? Are you disqualifying yourself basically from being able to partake of the Lord's Supper properly because you're not living in faithfulness? Maybe you've got one of those careless attitudes that has taken over. So examine yourself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. If there's a need before you partake to ask God, please forgive me of my sins, then, then do that. Or, God, help me, be stronger, get me back, help me get back on track. But we need to examine ourselves because, again, he who he partakes of the, Lord, of, of the cup of the Lord un, in an unworthy manner can be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. We're remembering what he did for us on that cross. 
And we need to partake of the supper in a respectful and fully meaningful way. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 3, we need to continually examine, continually examine the fruit of our works as Christians. Now that goes back to recognizing that I was created for good works. I'm God's workmanship, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He expects me to be involved in the good works that he's prepared me to be able to be involved in as a Christian. And so in Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 3, Paul writes, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. We cannot go to heaven on the coattails of our spouse or our parents. We have to live our own Christian life. We have to live our own Christian life. We cannot say, well, my, my, you know, whatever the relationship might be, you know, he or she is a really strong Christian. It, that's he or she. Where are you in your Christian life? Are you a strong Christian? Not just do you know all the right answers, but are you living the right life? Are you living that openly dedicated life? lifestyle of Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, we need to focus on growing up spiritually, becoming more and more mature, more fully developed. And that's a lifelong developmental process. We don't get to a point where we say, that's it. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody exercising, working out all the time, and they get to a certain point and say, that, that's it, I made it. I don't need to do this anymore. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to start digressing in those physical abilities. You know, professional athlete practices all the time, all the time. There was a professional basketball player who is very good. Now, it goes back a long time now, but his name was Pete Maravich, called Pistol Pete. They just called him the pistol sometimes. And I believe somebody told me that, that he said he, he took about a thousand shots a day. A thousand shots at the basket a day. Now, why did he do that? Well, one, for one reason, he loved the game. He'd been playing since he was just a young boy. But for another reason, he wanted to stay at the top of his game. He wanted to keep that prowess active and vital. And so he practiced every day. Well, brethren, do not be children in understanding. Now, we're talking from a spiritual perspective now. Do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes. But in understanding, be mature. God expects us to grow up spiritually. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, Paul wrote that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We need to keep growing spiritually, keep growing in our faith, keep growing in our insight of what God's word teaches and we'll keep learning. 
I keep learning myself. And I'm in the word all, just about every day. But I'll, I'll still, I, well, yeah, look at that. I may have read over that scripture, that particular scripture, hundreds of times. And then I'll see something that I just never picked up on before. We need to keep growing, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Never become stagnant. You always want to drink water that is from moving a body of water. You don't ever want to stop and, and just start scooping up and drinking away at some stagnant pool because we have been taught. We have come to understand that's probably going to be contaminated with some kind of virus or bacteria or, you know, something. We need to keep moving forward as Christians in our spiritual lives and continue to grow in our knowledge and spiritual maturity. If we had time, we could go and look at some depth, depth at the end of the last few verses of, of Hebrews chapter 5, feeding right into the first few verses of chapter 6, and it goes into some length about that. We need to keep growing. We need to keep examining ourselves and seeing, okay, do I need to get more fully back on track? Do I need to start focusing more, more closely in, in developing my spiritual maturity, my knowledge and my, my faith and my growth spiritually? In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Peter wrote, therefore laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, now notice this, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The milk of the word, of course, is God's word, that you may grow thereby. The more we're in God's word, the stronger our faith is going to become because, as I keep saying, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So we need, need to stay in God's word so that we can keep growing. And that's why Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why do so many people get pulled off into false teachings? Why do they fall for those supposed Bible teachers who are teaching them spiritual error, biblical error? Now, let me tell you one big reason, because they don't know the scriptures very well. You see, how do you recognize error? You know the truth. That's how you recognize error. And so if somebody starts to teach you something that, does, that, that contradicts what you know to be the truth, then you recognize the error. But if you don't know what the truth is, how can you recognize the error? So we need to keep, keep, keep staying in God's word and we'll grow spiritually thereby. We'll grow stronger, but we'll even grow, we'll grow also in our knowledge so that, so that we can be on guard against whatever the devil might throw at us to lead us astray in teaching or in belief. I need to walk through life, as we said, circumspectly. We talked about that in Ephesians 5 and verse 15. I need to pay attention. I need to be thinking ahead. I need to think analytically to a degree at least so I can see that this, this is not necessarily the best thing for me to do. I need to go in a different direction. I need to think. I need to be careful, but super careful. 
praying for and exercising godly wisdom as I deal with the temptations and challenges of living in this world. And those challenges and temptations bombard us every day in one way or another, in one form or another. Matthew 10 and verse 16, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, Jesus told his disciples, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now he's not painting a negative connotation at all about using the illustration of the serpents there. He says, be wise as serpents, but at the same time, harmless as doves. He goes on, or Paul goes on in Colossians chapter four and verse five, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. We need to stop and think about what kind of relationships, again, do I need to really develop and what kind of relationships do I need to develop to be close relationships? Do I really need to be hanging with people who, who I might say, well, those are my best friends over there, but not a single one of them is a Christian. Is that the direction I need to take, the direction I need to be going in my life? We, you see, we need to think. We need to think. We move on to James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I need God's wisdom. I need godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Now, some of that's going to be helpful, but I need first and foremost godly wisdom, and so I need to be focused on how to develop that. And again, I need to stay in God's word. I need to stay focused on living by God's word, living by God's teachings and direction. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning with verse 25, again, the wise man wrote, let your eyes look straight ahead. Now, now get the idea here. You're staying on the pathway of God's truth, and truth is always narrow. Let your eyes look straight ahead, let you, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Remember that, that verse? Walk circumspectly. And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. If you'll read those, those three verses again carefully, you'll see several different statements from the wise man about staying true, being careful, staying on the right path of God's truth. I need to stay strong in the faith. First, I need to become strong in the faith. And I'm afraid that a whole lot of people who, who call themselves Christians, even in the Lord's church, they, they kind of have weak faith, kind of wishy-washy to one degree or another. And, and that's on them. They need to take the focus in their lives to grow in their faith. And so they need to be careful to not become careless. And we've talked about all, a number of different ways we can become careless in our faith, in our faithfulness. Colossians 1, beginning with verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith. Now there's that big qualifier word, if. If you continue in the faith, 
grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. We need to stay focused. We're not just in a fight from a spiritual perspective as we go through our physical lives in this world. We're in a fight for our eternal life because the devil is the enemy. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. And he's always active and he's always after us. Again, if we stay focused and active in our faith and faithfulness, we will become rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And that will help us to stay faithful until death. And then we can look forward with confidence to the crown of life, which is eternal life. Careful, consistent self-examination so as to not become careless in my Christian life. It's vital, vital. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 again, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. I really like what the Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. So many members of the Lord's church, so many Christians, so many well-intentioned, at least in, their, at least in the, the surface level of their thinking, they drift away. They, they're not focused as, as carefully as they need to be focused. They're not as active as they need to be. They're not paying the proper attention to developing and growing and becoming more and more spiritually mature in their faith. And they, without even realizing it, they drift away. I've likened it to be going fishing in a boat and you, you, but you don't have an anchor. And so you come up to a place, you're throwing into this particular part of the lake and, and you're catching fish. But after a few minutes, you're not catching any more fish. You wonder what happened. They were there. They were biting. And then you look up and you look at the bank and you say, well, wait, I'm 50 yards down from where I was catching the fish. The current slowly drifted me away from the right spot. The old story about preacher went to visit a man who is a member of the Lord's church who had exhibited weakness in his faith, wasn't attending services regularly any longer, wasn't being seen with the congregation very regularly. He went and visited the fellow one evening and went and sat in with him and, and of course the fellow understood exactly why he was there invited him to sit down in his living room and the fire was going in the fireplace. He didn't even wait for the preacher to start to talk to him pointedly about what he was there for. He just started giving, making excuses, saying, I, I, know, I, I know I need to, I, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get back to church and all of that. 
preacher never answered. He just reached over and picked up the tongs by the fireplace and he pulled out one burning coal away from the fire. And he just sat there and watched it. We know what happened, don't we? At first it was flaming, it was hot, it was bright. But as it was removed from the source of the heat, from the source of the energy, it became weaker and weaker and weaker and it went out altogether. The man did not miss the lesson. He said, you don't have to say anything more. I'll be there Sunday. He had drifted away. So many people, they just, they get careless. They make excuses. They think, well, they, I, I, can, I, can, I can miss services over this. I can get, take part in this particular, you know, activity, which maybe I shouldn't take part in. I, I, can, I can not be in the Bible. I, I, can, I can, I can, I can. And they're just drifting away. The Hebrews writer says, be careful lest you drift away. Let's pay attention. Let's be careful to guard against careless attitudes that can weaken our faithfulness to God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, self-examination can be painful because we're talking about being honest with ourselves. Where am I really? How strong am I really? Or have I drifted away and become weak? really. We all need to exercise self-examination on a regular basis. Not just now and then, once every five or ten years, but all the time, regularly. Am I where I ought to be? Am I what I ought to be? Am I involved as I ought to be involved? Am I as dedicated to my faithfulness in God as I ought to be? Let's take the lessons to heart and be on guard against whatever the devil is trying to use to get us. He doesn't have to turn us into an atheist. He just has to get us to stop paying enough attention so that we gradually drift away. If you need the prayers of the church this evening, we encourage you. Don't be too embarrassed. Don't be too prideful to not ask for those prayers. We'd love to pray with you this evening. If you need to talk privately, we're here. Please ask us. I know the elders love everyone here this evening. And we'd love to pray with you, talk with you. Or if you're ready to be baptized into Christ, we encourage you to take that step this evening so that the blood that is shed on the cross can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing.